As I mentioned, we've been studying Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and I won't read it again. The kids did such a great job uh, reading the scripture this morning, but I want to remind you of the, the names that we've been walking through. If you've been with us, you know that this verse is Isaiah's way of pointing to a future that was going to be better than the present. Because the, the present for the nation of Israel, when these words are written, was dark and broken and tragic. And it, and it was going to continue that way for some time. But Isaiah, in the midst of the darkness, says this is not the end. This is not all of the story. The, the, the final chapters have not been written. Somebody's coming, and he's going to have certain characteristics and qualities that we need and those first three names that we've already studied were Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and, and Isaiah puts this one at the end, Prince of Peace. He would be the Prince of Peace. Prince as in a, a ruler, an authority figure, uh, but, but also as an ambassador that goes for the king, and, and that was Jesus. He, he, had, he had come from another kingdom. He was a an authority, he was, he was a, a ruler, a king himself, who had come from another kingdom to invade this kingdom, but to invade our realm, to invade our world with peace, which was totally unlike the way any other king invades, right? Kings in this world invade with, with violence and with conflict. They invade to destroy, they invade to defeat and this prince that was to come, Isaiah says he's not, he's not coming to bring conflict, he's coming to bring peace. He's not, he's not coming to destroy, he's coming to make whole, to put back together again. He would be the prince of peace. When the angels showed up uh, over a shepherd field, their song contained this exact same theme. This is what the, the angels saying to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is what he had come to bring. He had come to bring a, a specific, unique type of peace. <clears throat> Not a type of peace that we could gain on our own. Not a peace that could be manufactured in this world apart from him. He was bringing from his kingdom a, a peace that could only be found in him. You see, the peace would, it would not just be a quality or a characteristic, it would be a person. He would be our peace, and only to the degree that we know him, that we, that we walk with him, would we experience the kind of peace that he was going to bring. In the Old Testament, the word translated peace, is probably a familiar word to you, it's just the word shalom. We translate shalom as peace in English, but <clears throat> I'm not sure peace alone captures all of the meaning of this word. Shalom means to be well, right? to be whole, to prosper, to flourish. It was a greeting, both a coming and a going greeting, still is for Jewish people, so that in our coming and going, we would bring this sense of wellness and wholeness and, and prospering and flourishing. We bring peace. That when we come into an environment, if we are carrying the peace of Christ, if we belong to Christ, when we step into an environment 
that environment would, would have more peace because of our presence. When we leave an environment, we would leave it not only at peace, but we will have brought more peace to that place. And our coming and our going, that we would be people of peace. Um, in, the, in the New Testament, the word most translated peace means quietness, rest, and it means to set at one again. There is that idea, again, of, of wholeness, right? of wellness, to set at one. We can contrast the word that's translated peace with the words that are translated uh, worry and anxious, right? Because that's sort of the opposite of being at peace. I am not at peace when I'm worried and anxious. The word that gets translated worry and anxiety in the New Testament means, means to draw in different directions, to pull apart, to constantly be focused in a million different directions. That's worry. That's what anxiety does to us. We can't be focused. We can't be one. We can't be stayed. We can't be at peace when we're anxious, right? never able to focus Always thinking 10 different things, 100 different things. What peace does when it comes into our life is it restores that sense of wholeness and wellness. It chases away anxiety. <clears throat> Some of us are like our computers. We're working on a program or we're working on a document, but in the background there's like 50 other programs running anybody have this problem on your computer it's not your computer it's you actually you opened all of those like you started all of that and so we have this one thing that we're trying to focus on but in the background all of these other things are trying to work as well some of us live our life like that like i can't be fully here because my mind and my emotions and my anxieties and my worries are constantly running there and there and there and there and there. And even though this is what's running, I have all of these other things running as well. You ever get a message on your computer? You do that so much that at some point your computer starts to wave the white flag and it says, you don't have enough resources for what you're doing. Like we have pulled, we have tried to, to, to get all of the energy, all of the resources from your computer doing what you say you want done. We can't do it anymore. We don't have enough to do this one thing you want to do because you're pulling resources from all of these other places. Again, some of us, we kind of live day to day that way. We don't, we don't have the energy reserves. We don't have the resources for what's right in front of us because we keep pulling from different directions divided, pulled apart in different places. Um, sometimes on our phone, we'll get an alert uh, that says, this particular app has been running in the background for this long. Do you want it to continue? Right? Or this particular app has been tracking your locations. Do you want it to continue? In other words, you don't even know it. You don't even see it. But something's spinning here in the background, working all of the time. And we think you have forgotten about that. So we want to remind you. It would be nice if we had that in our life, right? It's something that just popped up and said, hey, you're, you're running a lot of programs in the background. Do you know this? 
Your mind is spinning in a lot of directions in the background. You can't focus on the joy that's in front of you or the people that are in front of you because you've got all of this activity in the background. You want to close some of that out? I think in marriages, uh, there tends to be an app closer and a non-closer. Um, one spouse typically has only one program up on their phone and the other spouse has about 300. They've opened them and they never close them. They don't even know they're still open. Right? And when the, when the app closer borrows the non-app closer's phone and double clicks the home button, they're mortified at all of the apps that have been running for who knows how long. And so they spend the next 10 minutes doing this, right? So I'm going to close this out. This is how most of us, some of us live our lives. There's all this stuff going on and, and goodness is in front of us and wholeness is possibly in front of us and joy is in front of us, but like the worry and the anxiety of the New Testament, which is pulled in all of these directions. The peace that Isaiah speaks of, the peace that the New Testament speaks of is a oneness, to be at one. To be centered. To be at peace. The peace that Christ offered, it kind of offers, it kind of runs in some different directions. Right? He, he offers us peace in some different ways. For example, first of all, Christ came to give us this sort of peace with God, to give us this oneness with God. That we would not be separated from God, that there would be no division. There would be no distraction between me and God. Jesus came so that we might have peace with God. Paul says in Romans 5, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith. What does that mean? It means that we have been made right with God. Right? Whereas... We were separated from him because of our sin. Whereas we were bearing the penalty of our sin, Christ comes into the world and takes all of our sin on himself. And so now God not all, no longer views us through the lens of our disobedience, even though we have disobeyed. God no longer sees us through our disobedience. He sees us through the righteousness of Christ. I mean, the gospel is that Jesus has this wonderful exchange that Jesus would take all of our sin on himself, and when we put our faith in him, he would give us then his righteousness. Not that we have earned, because we haven't earned it. We could never earn it. Jesus will just take away our sin and give us his righteousness so that when Christ sees us, he sees us as sons and daughters, and we are at peace with God at that point. We're not in conflict with God. We're not separated from God. We're not warring with God. We're not against God. We are at peace with God. We are one with God. We are united with God. And just as we shared the Lord's Supper this morning, this is the ultimate work of Christmas. The ultimate work of Christmas is not a birth. It is God coming to earth to live and die and rise again and to give us his grace and his righteousness and his mercy and his goodness. Christ makes it possible for us to be at peace with God. But secondly, 
Christ gives us peace with others. Christ's life, Christ's living in us, makes it possible that you and I could live at peace with others, not just vertically with God, that my spiritual relationship with God is right, but horizontally my human relationships are right. They are whole. They are well. They are good. They are life-giving. Jesus makes it possible for us to experience peace with one another. And obviously, that is not the greatest miracle, right? The greatest miracle is my heart being made right with God. But in 2022, almost 2023, it almost seems like the greatest miracle, doesn't it? With so much conflict and division and anger and sides and finger pointing, it seems like the greatest miracle that we could actually, if we live according to Christ, if Christ is in us, we actually could be at peace with each other. We could be at peace with each other, not, not necessarily because we agree on everything or we see everything the same way, not necessarily because our perspectives are the same, but because there is one who unites us more than anything could possibly divide us. There was one whose peace draws our hearts together as one more than anything else could separate us. Paul deals with this in Ephesians 2. Paul is describing the work of the gospel and what the gospel does to us and how it changes us. And then he shifts his lens from we're right with God, we've received his grace. He shifts his lens to our relationship to other people. And he, he begins to describe Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and Jewish people. Because what was happening in the, in the first century is that Jews and non-Jews were both discovering Christ. And they come from very different backgrounds, and they have very different experiences, and they see life very differently, and they engage culturally very differently from one another. Their past, very different. And, and Paul is going to say, look, you're, you're coming from two very different backgrounds. You see many things completely differently. You don't agree about a lot of things, but Christ. But Christ is our peace. He is what draws us together. Here are Paul's words in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus. You who once were far away have been brought near. Far away, you were separated. Now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace. For He Himself, for Jesus is the peace that we share. Not that we agree on everything. Not that we see everything the exact same way. Not that we share the same opinions or experiences or backgrounds. No, that's very different. What unites us is Jesus. He gives us peace between one another. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Paul says Jesus' goal was not just a bunch of independent salvations. All of these individual people discover Christ. Paul said, no, his goal goes beyond that. That as we each individually come to faith in Christ and we collectively join together, 
we collectively bring our past and our different experiences and we refuse to let those differences keep us from being one together in Christ. There would be a common love for one another not based on what you think about something or what I think about something. There would be a common love for one another based on Christ. And we will share differences and we come from different places and we have different backgrounds and we have different experiences in our life. Just like in the first century, these two groups that Paul's talking to, they were ethnically different, they were racially different, they saw politics different, they saw culture different, they had been raised differently, and Paul says in Christ, all of those differences don't matter as much as what brings us together in Christ, for we are one, we are relationally one. This is not the same thing as saying uh, trite statements like God is colorblind God doesn't see our difference well of course he sees our differences he created our differences our differences all gives unique openings to understand God better our our differences our backgrounds our, our ethnic differences our racial differences they give a unique cue into who God is and what his character is like surely God's character cannot be encapsulated in any one group of people but it's because of the peace of Christ that we share in spite of our differences that we can love one another and not let our differences divide us not allow our differences to separate us but instead the peace of Christ the love of Christ allows us to celebrate those things that are good about all of us. We have the potential to be at peace with other people, not just with God. And, and it's not just people who share Christ with us. I mean, obviously, we're going to be drawn. We're going to find it easier to connect relationally, to be at peace with people who share our faith, who share our belief in Christ, regardless of our other differences. If we are united in Christ, that supersedes everything else about us but Paul says it's possible because of the work of Christ's peace in your life that you can live at peace with anybody here are Paul's words in Romans 12 if it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone everyone that's a pretty big word right? everyone if it's possible as far as it depends on you Live at peace with people you agree with, people who are like you, people who are raised the same way, same background, same experiences, people who love Jesus, and people who are none of those. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace. Live with this shalom. Live with this oneness, this wellness with everyone. You you and I are to be the demonstration of the peace of Christ in this world. We're to walk it out. We're to live it out, Paul says, with everyone. And and I know our tendency, I know my tendency, is to key in on the first phrase, if it is possible. right? You can already think of people, not possible. Not, never going to be possible. Don't want it to be possible. Not Paul. Like we saw, our mind gravitates to the loophole, right? Because that's what we see right there. Loophole. I don't have to like that. I don't have to hang out. Loophole. 
The thrust of this verse is not the loophole. Sorry to break it to you. The thrust of this verse is not, you don't have to like anybody you don't want to like. You don't have to be at peace with anybody you don't want to. That is not the thrust of the verse. The thrust of the verse is, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. And yeah, maybe, like the, maybe there's a small couple times where that's going to be difficult, but it shouldn't be on your end, because he says, as far as it depends on you, you should live at peace. You can't control their end, but as far as it depends on you, the rule should be, the 99% of the time should be that you're living in peace with other people. You're bringing peace to relationships. You're bringing wholeness and wellness and flourishing, oneness to relationships. It's not key on the exception. Let's focus on the rule. Paul said, here's the rule. Live at peace with everyone. You have the peace of Christ living in you. Let it come out. Let it come out into your relationships with other people. Christ came to give us peace with God. Uh, Christ came to give us horizontal, relational peace with other people. Third, Christ gives us peace within ourselves. Christ gives us peace with ourselves. Which may be the most difficult part. Right? Maybe the most difficult part. We, we, we know of God's goodness. We respond to His grace. Why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we give our life to Christ, to, to the God who came and, and lived and died and rose again for us? We manage our way around relationships, whether that's ultimately peace or not. We manage our way to get through relationships. We want to get along with other people. The trickier part is finding peace within us. Living at peace in the deepest places of our heart, finding shalom, wholeness, wellness, flourishing in, in our own beings. If we can make sort of a little sandwich, I think people tend to struggle with the relational peace, the middle one we talked about. I think people tend to struggle with the relational peace because they lack peace with God and or they lack peace with themselves. When I am not at peace with the goodness of God in my life, it's very difficult to give that to you. When I am not settled, when I don't feel whole, loved, accepted, at peace on the inside of me, it's hard for that to come out in my relationship with you. Some of the some of the, my worst moments relationally, some of the moments I've done the most damage relationally, they've almost always been in seasons of my life when something was going on in me. I wasn't settled with what God was doing in me. I wasn't happy with me. I wasn't at peace with me. And it came out in my relationship to someone else. The people that you find it most difficult to be at peace with? The, the ones that are the most difficult to get along with? Very likely. There's something in them that they're not at peace with. The peace of Christ is not working in them. They're not experiencing the peace of Christ in them because if it's not happening in you, it's not going to happen in your relationship to somebody else. At the end of his life, we, we, we shared the Lord's Supper just a moment ago. 
Another comment that Jesus makes to his disciples that night in John 14 is, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I'm going to give this to you. You're going to be able to have this. You're going to be able to hold this. You're going to be able to live in peace. I'm leaving my peace with you. And Jesus says very specifically, it's a different kind of peace. It's not the kind of peace that you can manufacture. It's not the kind of peace that you can find without me. I want to give you a peace that only comes from me. And I want it to settle deep in your hearts. What's the difference between the peace Jesus leaves in John 14 and what he calls the peace that the world would give for for one this peace that Christ gives remains the peace of Christ remains it's not coming and going it's not there and not there the peace of Christ remains he looked at his disciples and he said I'm gonna leave my peace with you I'm gonna give my peace to you it's not a loner it's not a rental it's not affected by whatever's going on with you if you want access to it, you have access to it. I'm going to leave my peace with you. It's going to stay. It's going to always remain as a result of that. The peace of Christ is not based on our circumstances. It's staying, right? It's not affected by what's happening around us. We feel that way, right? We feel like we're not at peace when life gets difficult. Jesus is saying, no, my peace is still there. It is still available. Jesus makes this comment, by the way, right before the disciples are going to experience the most difficult, most disorienting day of their whole life. The next 24 hours is going to be the most difficult. It's going to be the most disorienting moment of their lives. Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. They're going to scatter. They're going to see Jesus crucified. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. Right on the front end of that, Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you peace. It's not tied to what you're experiencing. It's not tied to your circumstances. It's not tied to the exterior. You can have peace regardless of what's happening around you. This is why Paul would write in another, another place, this is the peace that transcends understanding. Like you can't understand why it's still there. It's just still there. This is the peace that transcends your ability to figure out. Jesus just gives it to you. He's leaving it with you. You have access to it. You have access to it when circumstances are good and you have access to it when circumstances are difficult. Like we, we expect people to have peace when everything's going well, right? That is not shocking. That is not surprising. To the person that everything is going perfectly, we would expect them to be at peace. Jesus says to his disciples, in your hardest moment, peace is available to you. Don't try to understand it. Don't try to figure it out. Just receive it. Another thought on the peace of Christ. The peace of Christ, different from what we may try to manufacture, the peace of Christ doesn't cover up, it sees us through. It doesn't cover up, it sees us through. 
It doesn't try to numb us to reality. The the peace of Christ doesn't say, hey, just, just don't look at it. Just ignore it. Pretend that's not happening. Pretend this doesn't exist. This is... This is what passes for peace oftentimes in the world. Just don't think about it. Just pretend it's not happening. Look away. Or we try to find ways to numb ourselves with medication or alcohol or drugs or scrolling the internet for hours or binge watching Netflix or overeating or not eating enough or going out or staying in or having a lot of relationships or having no relationships. And we try to find all of these ways to help us forget, to numb, to make it easier, to look away. The peace that Jesus gives is not a, hey, don't think about it peace. It's a, hey, let's walk through this together peace. Hey, hey, let's manage this together peace. Again, he's talking to his disciples saying, you're about to have the worst day of your life. And I'm leaving you peace. Everything is about to fall apart in your eyes. I'm going to give my peace to you. That's what Jesus does for us. It's a peace that we have access to all the time. One more thought from Paul. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule. Rule in your hearts. We've been talking about what Jesus' peace is like. We haven't talked so much about where we come in other than to believe it and to trust it. And so Paul Paul says there's something we can do when it comes to peace. Let peace, he's talking to us. You have to open the door. You have to let this happen in your life. Now I want to be careful at this point. Because I don't want you to hear me say that if you're worried and anxious, it's your fault you're worried and anxious. Because that probably doesn't help, does it? If you hear me say the reason you're worried and anxious is because uh, it's your fault that you're worried and anxious, you're probably going to get more worried and anxious, right? I'm not trying to blame us necessarily, but I, I do think we have to step back every once in a while and ask, What am I letting rule my inner being right now? What is the decision maker in me? What am I allowing to rule my interactions with other people? Because Paul says, let the peace of Christ do that. Let the peace of Christ rule. Now, the word rule uh, is similar to our word arbiter. Right? Or even kind of connected to umpire, the decision maker. The one that says in, out, good, bad, yes, no. It's the decision maker. That's what Paul meant by ruling. What is going to make the decision for what you're going to think and, and how you're going to handle your emotions and what you're going to say to another person, what you're going to say to yourself, how you're going to think about a particular situation, Paul says, you got to let the peace of Christ be the one that decides that. And that can be difficult because often we allow our anxiety to decide that, don't we? 
We allow our worries to decide that. Um, we allow our fears to decide that. I'm in this situation. I'm working my way through it. We allow fear to rule how we interact in that situation or in relationships with other people. We let anger or we let division or we let conflict rule the moment. And Paul says, you have to let peace rule the moments in your life. You have to lean towards peace in those moments in your life when you are prompted to be anxious. When you feel that emotion of fear, when you are uncertain, Paul says, you got to go with peace. You, you got to remind yourself that you have access to the peace of Christ. And not just access, you got to let that be the decision maker. That you will live at peace with yourself. That you will live at peace with God. That you will live at peace with other people. Let the peace of Christ rule over those things. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment as we wrap up? We're here front end a week away from, from Christmas Day. Still a lot to be done at your house like there's a lot to be done at my house. Can we just take a moment? Can we just take a moment and let the peace of Christ just pour into our hearts? Just receive the peace of Christ. It's always there. He left it with you. If you're his follower, he's given it to you. But sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we're, we got so many programs running in the background. We've got so many apps open, draining resources and draining energy. Just be reminded at this moment that Jesus has left his peace with you. He is your peace. He wants you, he wants me to let peace rule. When we're tempted to worry, when we're tempted to worst case scenario, when we're tempted to think, well, what if, and what if, when we're tempted to fear, when we're tempted to anger, when we're tempted to division, let the peace of Christ rule. God, I pray that you would speak peace into all of our hearts today. You are the Prince of Peace. You have left your peace. You have given your peace in Jesus. God, help us to live out this season and into the new year with a sense of wholeness and wellness and oneness because the peace of Christ is ruling in our hearts. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.